we can't help it but worship. We won't be able to hold our hearts from thanking Him. So right now, can you just thank Him? Thank Him with me. God, we thank you. If you can raise your voice as well together like thank you God thank you for who you are this 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 God that doesn't change this God of yesterday today and tomorrow this everlasting God the King of Kings the Lord of Lords the one who laid there his life down for his friends the lamb that was slain the one who hears who sees who answers the one who delivers his people from the snare of sin the one who breaks the chains the one the only one that was there before and that will be after the one that will never move that one that we can never lose the faithful one who will deliver his promises there's no comparison God no one compares to you can you say that to him this morning no one and nothing God can compare to the person that you are to the God that you are no one can compare to you God everything else will fail but you God will stand It's really hard to keep going with life following him. You have to see who he is. The only way we can do this is when we see you, God. Would you take the skills, God, from our eyes? The delusion of other things coming before you.
formed substance before you, before you created us, and that you will be after everything passes, Father God. If we see that, God, we will, we will be okay. So we thank you, Father God. We praise you. Thank you. Praise God. God is good. Let's give the Lord a hand if we could. we go into the uh, time, our time in the Word, I, I wanted to devote the next few minutes uh, to somebody who I, was, I had asked uh, to share with us a bit of a praise report. This past week, we've had the chance to, um, a good number of us, serve and minister among VBS. Uh, so many of you signed up, stepped up, volunteered, you taught, you led, um, you served in so many different ways all week long, and it required much out of you. Uh, it meant that you had to pull away from a lot of things, and you did whatever it was that you had to do uh, to show that sort of level of commitment. And for that, I just wanted to just publicly acknowledge you all and just express how thankful we are for you, because we know that that week that was spent this past week was not a week spent in vain. Uh, a lot of children uh, from the community were reached. Um, households and families were really impacted, and we had a chance to offer a program both to the parents so it wasn't the kind of VBS where parents just swing by and drop off their kids and, and they're out of here. So we were able to provide a full-blown program to all of the parents of these children every single evening that touched very pertinent, relevant topics as it relates to parenting and raising up kids in this particular day and age. We touched on the culture um, and just so many different things that preteens and children have to encounter and what it's going to take to really raise up a child in the ways of God during this time. And so that was wonderful. And then we had a whole caliber, great caliber of leaders, uh, many of you. Raise your hand if you had a chance to serve uh, this past week. Let me just see you if you had. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Um, to, to also be able to pour into and bring the gospel and evangelize these children, that was just an awesome thing. Um, and so... As much as I would like to hear from everybody and what their story uh, to, to come up, if you could begin coming up even now, um, and share with us a little bit um, of what the Lord taught her, how he used her, and some of the experiences that she had, and I hope and I trust it's going to bless you. So will you give her a hand again? Y-E-S to V-V-S. I literally like have all the songs stuck in my head. Um, so Matthew 19.14 says, but Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went away. Yeah, so good. So um, when I first started VBS, well, I'll just say, like if I could describe the whole week, if it had like a certain theme, I would say God is faithful. That just overall the whole week. So before I started VBS and like the first day and second day, like my expectations for the kids were like so low, like for them to be able to understand and grasp the scriptures, for them to even pay attention, their attention span. Um, and like I quickly found out after the first day, like seeing certain kids like being really, um, really understanding the scriptures and um, just being really focused, I was like, okay, you know what? Um, just as I would like any other like person, and I had to share the gospel to them and taking that very seriously, I was like, you know what, these kids, they get it. Like, even in the scriptures, like, you know, we see in Proverbs, like God tells us, 
uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he's older, like, he won't leave those ways. So, like, all of these scriptures, like, kind of came to even me and Ida. Ida shared, like, a scripture from Ecclesiastics um, that was, like, said the same thing about um, children. But so the third day, I was like, okay, like, these kids, they get it. Like, it's not fair for me to be here and not be able to really share the real gospel. Not a watered-down version, but, like, the actual gospel with them. And I was so surprised. Like, they just really received it. And um, on the fourth day, the last, or the, I guess, yeah, Thursday, the fourth day, um, you know, I shared a whole gospel presentation with them, and eight kids came to the Lord. They really, yeah, so good. And up until then, I was like, looks like, even my husband, like, he got saved when he was 10 years old, and like, look, he's still serving the church, so glory to God. Like, that is proof, right? Um, so there's one particular kid that I just kind of want to share a testimony about that I knew, like, he received that. Like, they are, even in fourth grade, we're able to receive it. Um, so one of my kids, as I was sharing the gospel, like, he's typically really, like, ADD and, like, you know, I'd always have to kind of, like, hey, don't touch that. Um, but this day, as I was sharing the gospel, like, he was, like, laser focused. Like, you can see, like, the wheels churning in his head and, like, he was really serious. And so at the end of the prayer, he's, like, you know, giving his, he decided to give his life to the Lord, and he's, like, crying. And I'm, like, okay, I don't want to, like, pressure. Maybe it's, like, tears of joy. Um, and then another leader was able to talk to him after as we were going to the next, like, snacks or whatever. And I saw him afterwards, and I'm, like, hey, are you okay? Is this tears of joy or um, tears? Like what, like, what are you thinking? And he was just, like just reflecting on everything that he's done. He's like, oh, my God. Like, he understood. Like, he got the sin message. He was like, all the bad things that I've done. And so, you know, like a lot of the leaders that got to him before I did, and I made sure to encourage him, like, you know, like now that you're saved, that also covers the sins that have happened in the past, everything. Like, you know, you're, like, covered. Um, and he's like, no, there's just one. One that, like, you know, he's like, and I didn't want to pressure him, so... Anyways, after snacks, he shared it with me, and he's like, hey, can I confess something to you? I'm like, yes, of course, please. And he's like, I think bad thoughts about God. And he's like, I just, I can't get out of my mind, you know. This is what I just, and he's like, I, I can't stop it. He's like, I don't want to, but the, these are just the thoughts that I have. And in my class, like, we went over a, Paul, a verse that where Paul is like, you know, I keep doing things that I don't want to do, and the things that I do want to do, I can't do, so... I just reminded him of that verse. I'm like, you know, there are some sins that we do deliberately, like, right, when you disobey your parents and stuff. And I just encouraged him that, like, you know, that is, like, once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, like, you'll feel convicted about the things you've done, and you'll, like, start growing. Like, you don't have to be um, discouraged. And so, like, after encouraging him, he was okay. Then we get to worship, and he, like, taps me, and he's like, I have to confess another sin. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this really got to him. And he's like, I tore some paper in your classroom. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I forgive you. And he was just so surprised. Like, I didn't yell at him. I was just like, you know what? I forgive you. And I was like, I forgive you because God has forgiven me. And he asked us to forgive those who've sinned against us. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And so worship, a few songs come. And he, like, taps me on my shoulder again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's like, I feel bad because there are people in my life that I haven't forgiven wow, he got it, like, 
he was like, what, what do I need to do? I was like, wow, like, okay. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, and I just explained to him, like, you know, if you're having a hard time forgiving those people, take that to the Lord. And I showed him what that prayer looked like. I'm like, God, I'm having a hard time forgiving the people that have done me wrong, Lord, but give me a heart because you've forgiven me, Lord. Give me that heart to forgive them. And so we just went through this prayer together. And um, on Friday, before he left, he was like, thank you, Al Shaddai, for teaching me. My dad, like, <laughs> I don't want to get emotional, but a lot of my kids, they got it. They really got it. And up until now, like, even God ministered to my heart because I just did not believe children could really receive or understand that full message, that full gospel, and they got it. And I had a chance to, like, even connect with some of the parents and two of my girls, I'll be doing Bible studies at their house because they were like, can we have your number? Like, in case we go through things. Like, because, you know, that was one of the days we were talking about, like, uh, Peter in the boat. And, you know, they understood, like, hey, you know what? You received Christ. And I told them, but there is going to be things that are going to come to you. And even that, let me read that Ecclesiastes verse, actually. Um, it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So it's like, now is the time. Like, if, if any time for them to accept Christ or their hearts are, I mean, we even saw like what Jesus just said, like, these are the type of people that are going to accept the that are going to be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Like he constantly tells us to have this childlike faith. And when you see them and when I saw them learning, like they're so open and they have faith. Like that is just like that comes natural to them wanting to believe, wanting to have an assurance of hope in things. Like that's just natural to their nature right now. So it's just, I was just so encouraged by all of these scriptures where it's like, you know, right now is the time. When they're young, when nothing has attacked them, when nothing has grasped their mind yet, and then whenever they do go through those things, like we see in Proverbs and Ecclesiastics, they will always come back to the Father. So, yeah, I was just really encouraged. And just, I guess also when you're passing by kids in the hallway, I had one student that I was so surprised by, and he was bad. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this kid's going to give me trouble. Like, I, I didn't want to call him back because I didn't want to speak that over his life, but he was annoying me. And it was <laughs> and it was ironic because he was like purposely disrupting class and yelling out like random answers. And one of his answers happened to be true. And I was like, yeah. So I was able to reward him for that. I'm like, you get to do the fun activity and you get a treat. And I promise you, after that, every single day, the second, third, and fourth day, he was raising his hand for every single answer. So like they just they just feed off of that love and that encouragement and not like, because, you know, I know it's like it can be annoying if they're like running around the church and stuff. But really to just like any moment, they are, they are capable of understanding the gospel. They're capable of understanding the things that we understand. So, um, you know, if you don't have the chance to be able to um, volunteer next year or do Midwest or any of these things, just anytime you have a moment to see these kids, like really, like really use that moment to pour into them because I promise you they can get it. They can get it. So, yeah. <laughs> if you have your Bibles uh, with you today, please turn with me to Philippians in chapter 1. Philippians in chapter 1. We'll begin reading beginning in verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. 
where the text says there, Paul, Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for your word uh, that you help us to be able to be greatly encouraged by it. Holy Spirit, help in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the powerful things about this particular um, passage is we've had a chance to look um, through the book of Philippians. Just in this particular verse, we haven't gotten very far. We're still on the on-ramp. Is just how much, if we just take the time, is packed within just a greeting. Uh, what is Paul saying? Last week we had a chance to lay emphasis upon the writers or the senders of this particular letter. And we saw what God wanted us to appreciate from that particular standpoint. Today, however, we're having a chance to be able to take a good and a good close look at the recipients of this particular letter. But it's, it's how they're, they're addressed and it's what Paul says of them that I believe is supposed to be applicable to every single one of us as a church. So this isn't so much about Philippi as it is about our church. Notice what he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. You see, the church of Christ is an identifiable body. What Paul has in mind, what he's really saying under all of this is that there are a group of people that he can call a church. This is important for our day and age because it's very easy for us to dig Jesus, but not to be all that thrilled or excited about his church. And that's particularly unique to our, our generation. Amen? In fact, this is important because Paul here in this particular passage is not so much talking about the universal church of Jesus Christ, the invisible body, the lowercase c Catholic church, not the Roman Catholic church, lowercase c. That's the universal church. Although that's true. I mean, there are God's people. There are brothers and sisters of ours scattered all throughout this globe at all times and throughout all of church history. That is Jesus' church that Paul says in Acts, lowercase c church, the local church, the local body scattered from place to place like ours that we're accountable to and that we're a part of. This is important because when Jesus saves us, when we trust in God through Jesus Christ, we don't just come to God, we come to his body. We don't just belong to God now, we belong to his people. And that's important. The person who says they got the gospel, they should also get the church. A person who truly allowed Jesus to do a work in their life are not only going to be reconciled to him vertically, they're also going to be reconciled to his people horizontally, and thus a church. Notice he says, to all the people at Philippi. I'm sure Paul, as he was writing, has, has faces in his mind as he's writing. He knows these people. You almost get the impression that he's got history with them and experience with them. And that's exactly what should take place. A church should be a group of people that comprise disciples that eagerly want to follow Jesus. What brings us together, what makes us a body is this common confession. And that's what we see here in Philippi. Jesus, in Matthew 16, after he had some time with his disciples out and about, gets a chance to have a little alone time with them. And he asks them a question. 
Who do people say that I am? Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're that other prophet. Who do you say that I am? Peter, impetuous Peter, raises his hand and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him is, bingo, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock, not Peter, contrary, again, Roman Catholic dogma, not according to what Roman Catholics teach, the rock is not Peter. The rock is the confession that came from Peter's mouth. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, he's declaring rightly. He's confessing rightly both who Jesus is and what purpose it was that Jesus was designed to accomplish while he was here on this earth. That confession is the confession upon which Jesus said he was going to build his church, which means if you're here today and you can declare that same confession, we're a body. In other words, what membership is about, welcome to membership class, what membership is about is having a common confession. It's not enough to just sit next to each other. It's not enough to be in the same building. It's not enough to just go to a campus or be at a facility where they may have right things going on. The question at the end of the day is, do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord? Do you recognize this Jesus as the Christ, the promised Messiah, as the one in whom all our hopes lie? That's what Jesus was talking about. Who do people say that I am? Do they see me one among many, or do they see me as the way, the truth, and the life? And Peter confessed right. And this church here in Philippi, along with this church here at Pathway, it doesn't mean that you can't have non-Christians attending a church service, no doubt. In fact, even many, not many, a few New Testament books make mention to the fact that in passing, that non-Christians will come through and attend and participate in worship services. But the primary emphasis of the worship service is toward the believer. It's toward the redeemed. In fact, the word church, ekklesia, the Greek word means gathering, assembled ones. It's those who've been called out, right? Colossians 1, we've been called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light, okay? We've been called out, but not just called out for its own sake, We've been called out to be a gathered people. The word ecclesia means gathered ones, assembled ones. God, by His Spirit, through His Word, rightly proclaimed, gathers a people and makes them His own. And so the church constitute those who've been gathered, not by any person, but by God. But by God. And you may have people, remember, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 13, leave it alone. Let the tares grow up with the wheat. Right? Don't be pulling too quickly and prematurely. You may not know what you're doing. You may be messing with a real one and find out in the end. And so he says, just let them, just let them grow in the end. In the end, he says in the parable of Matthew 13, I'll come and I'll be able to discern the difference. But until then, we're supposed to be a church, no doubt, where we're primarily reaching and feeding and building up God's people, where we go out, we're sent out to reach the world. But at the same time, we recognize people open to want to hear the Bible should be welcome to come in. But what Paul has in mind here is a church at Philippi. How do we know? 
Look at how he addresses them. To all the what? Saints. Hmm. To all the saints. I know some of us look at that and say, isn't that Roman Catholic? Again, uh, we're not getting away from them, are we? Um, <clears throat> or the New Orleans saints. No, it's not. Um, hagios is the word. Saints, holy ones. Forty times in the New Testament, by Paul, the word is mentioned. Saints. Three times the word Christian is mentioned. Forty times the word saints, which tells me that the times in which God's people are referred to, the term that's used most often is not the word that we ordinarily use, Christian. It's saints. I know some of us feel like maybe because of our track record or our background or what this weekend looked like or last week, it's like, ah, I don't know about saint. That's the last thing. That's the last way in which I want to make reference to myself. Saint. It just seems too, yeah, right, holy. But that's what we've smuggled in to the Bible. But we haven't got that from the Bible. Roman Catholics will teach that there's only a select few caliber elite Navy SEAL type who end up becoming saints. But that happens after they die. After you die, your, your name goes into a pool and... From that pool, you'll be brought before a committee, your name, that is, you're gone, and that committee goes through some sort of a vetting process to be able to ascertain whether or not you're to be given sainthood status. But even after that, and they pull your names, they'll end up presenting it to cardinals and to popes, and it's only until the cardinal and the pope finally sign it off and regard you as a saint that you're finally given that round to enjoy it. You're not around to know anything about it. Everybody else, you're just some average parishioners who just come to attend services. But notice, he says, not to some of the saints, but to all the saints. What do you mean? I mean this. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ today, you're a saint. Your sainthood status is not associated to with how many years you've been a Christian, how many scriptures how many holy lands or sites you've had a chance to visit. It's not associated with anything that you have done or got to do. Your sainthood status has everything to do with what Jesus has done. Notice, to all the saints where? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. The word in Christ Jesus is mentioned in Him, in God, in Jesus, in Christ, is mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament alone to describe what? The Christian. You see, God doesn't want you to be identifying yourself with what you've been caught up with. God wants you to identify yourself with who He sees you as in His Son. You see, a lot of times people are like, but you don't know what I've done. You don't realize what I've said. You don't know what slipped out of my mouth. You don't know the things that I've been caught up with, and I'm not too sure. I've really distanced myself from those things. God says, look, stop primarily seeing yourself by what you've done and start seeing yourself by how God sees you, by how God sees you. Your identity isn't rooted in what you used to be or who you used to be. Your identity is rooted in who God has placed you in, in Christ. It's in Christ. Why is that important? I remember years ago when personal hotspots just started, at least for me, I wasn't aware of it. Serious work done. I was with my partner, 
and we were out, away from home, away from office. But at home, my laptop recognizes my router. And so all I got to do is be within range. And you know how it is. Boom. It recognizes it. I'm connected. You don't need to go in every single time and put your password in. If I'm at the office, if I'm within range, it'll, it'll recognize it because it's learned it. The problem was I wasn't at my office or at home. I was away. But I, I had work to get done. I needed, and much of that work was only going to be done unless I was able to access the internet. And so here I was in trouble. But my partner was like, wait a second, I got my phone. I could, uh, I'll use my phone as a personal hotspot. Personal what? Hotspot. You don't know about hotspot? No. No, how does that work? Watch, watch, I'll show you. Let me see, let me see your laptop. He said, look at this, watch. Let me turn on my personal hotspot, and I'll just sync us up. Look, there you go. All right, you see it? All my bar, I'm on. It says connected. That's right. Go on ahead. You're using my data plan. What? Yeah. Internet? Yeah, go on ahead. You're good however long you need it. Like, wow, I wasn't at home, and I thought I had to be at home or I had to be at the office. What's the point? It's this. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as you're in Christ, you got all you need to live the Christian life. Some of us think, unless I'm at church or I'm, uh, unless I'm at some place that just makes me feel holy, it just makes me feel a little bit more Christian. It's that Monday that kills me. It's that Tuesday. I don't know what it is, Neb, but when I come to church, things are good. I love the worship and the people. They're positive, and I just love the kind of encouragement that goes around here. But as soon as I leave, for some reason, I forget all of this stuff, and I start reverting back to my old ways. And it's almost like I need to drive back to the church to start feeling this stuff again. And what I'm trying to tell you is you got a personal hotspot. Wherever you are, you don't need to wait to get back to the church to start feeling Christian all over again. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, the relationship that we got in Christ, notice he didn't say to all the saints in the worship building. He didn't say to all the saints in Morgan Chapel. He said to all the saints where? In a ship. In Christ Jesus. You see, whatever it's going to take to be able to live a full-on, successful Christian life, you got it in Christ. You got it by virtue of being in Jesus. You see, when you come to Jesus in faith, and that's it, when you come to Jesus in faith, he provides you and he supplies all that you're going to need to be able to live this Christian life. Paul says, in Christ. In Philippians 3, in verse 8, I want to show you something very interesting. He talks about, in verse 9, Philippians 3, 9, being found where? In him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see, Paul is somebody who's like, look, I've been there. I've been somebody who's, who's tried to attain sainthood, if you will, righteousness, holiness, all on my own. And I was miserable. I was miserable. I got nowhere. But then I found Jesus. But then I encountered Christ. And I realized one of the ways to begin a relationship with him and find what I've been wanting to look for all along was by trust, faith, 
alone in Jesus. This is the Christian life. This is by trusting in Jesus Christ, God calls you to sainthood. You see, this is something that that God himself accomplished before the world began. Before the world ever was founded, 2 Timothy 1.9, before the world was ever founded, what did God do? He chose you. He chose you and he called you to be holy in Jesus Christ so that you might be destined to live out exactly what your God-given purpose is. So what's the point that Paul is trying to make here? It's this. As we go forward in our Christian life, as we go forward as a church, we're supposed to be growing and developing from our identity. You notice here in this passage, there's no mention of what we're supposed to be doing. There's no mention yet. We're going to get into that well into the book of Philippians. But right now, what is Paul trying to do? He's trying to make sure that you and I see ourselves rightly. A lot of times when you see dudes caught up in one kind of sin or another, strung out, when you see them lapsing back to the old crowd, old ways, old lifestyle, when you see them not able to get out, if you look carefully, a lot of what explains why people are still trapped has everything to do with how they see themselves. And you could be sitting there all you want with tears in your eyes, veins coming out your necks, trying to plead with them to choose another way. And they're just looking at you like they didn't even hear what you had to say. Why? Because until and unless they see themselves differently, they're never going to want to behave differently. I believe that's why Paul, whether you see yourself that way or not, he refers to you as what? Saints. My question for you is not, do you feel like a saint today? My question is, are you prepared to take your feelings and submit them to the truth of God's word? Feelings. How up and down our life and our week would be. Because we would be gauging our performance and our relationship with God based on how our previous week went. But what God is trying to say is, look, I get what's going on in your life. But one of the ways in which you get out of it and you come out of it is how? By constantly preaching to yourself the fact that I'm one of God's holy ones. God chose me. God chose me in his son. And whatever was true about me before, and he took that guilt, he took that shame, and he took all of my sin upon himself. And he says, instead of dealing with him that way, as much as he deserves it, treat me that way. And as a result of that, guess what? Jesus gave me his sainthood. He gave me his holiness. He gave me his righteousness in return. So that when the Father sees me now, guess how he sees me? He sees me through his Son. He sees me in his Son. And so if you've trusted in Jesus today, guess what? You are clothed not with the righteousness of your own. You are clothed with the righteousness that God himself has supplied you with. Which means God, when he looks at you, He sees you as though you've done everything right from the very beginning of your life. And he sees you as you've never done anything wrong from the beginning of your life. That's the the identity I'm supposed to be living out of. All throughout the week, I shouldn't wait for a Sunday. I should be taking this reality and this truth and constantly preaching it to myself. That's what we should be doing all throughout our days and all throughout our weeks. We should be reminding ourselves of what our true identity is, where? 
in Christ. In Christ. That personal hotspot, look, some hotspot, if you're not within range, it's getting weak. <laughs> it's getting weak. That movie that you were watching, it may have been good. Boy, with our Christian life, it's like, man, I was feeling strong. But all of a sudden, uh, it's, it's loading. It's loading. What am I supposed to be thinking now about God, about Jesus, about myself? Because I'm far from the church at the moment. Pastor ain't nowhere around. My life group ain't nowhere around. All of a sudden, we want to lapse back to our old ways. What keeps me intact? Not just on a Sunday, but on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, whether many are around me or whether I'm on my lo- on a- alone. <laughs> I'm on my own. It's the fact that I know that my identity is not tied to a building or a place. It's tied to my Jesus. It's tied to my Christ. That's where we need to be. Jesus said, this is my disciple indeed, the one who continues in my word. And so what does God want for us? He wants this. Begin seeing yourself. If you've trusted in Christ, begin seeing yourself in this way. Don't try, because some people think, some people get disappointed with their life. They get crushed with some of the choices that they made. And one of the ways that they try to solve that, rectify that, is by getting real busy in church and in service. They start signing up for all sorts of stuff, stuff they've never been involved with, stuff they used to be involved with, to somehow placate, balance out all the bad that they've done. It's like, I've been all off. I've been away from the church. I've been sinning like a mess. Now I'm going to start serving a lot to kind of tip the scales in my favor. That's religion. That's not Christianity. So where do you begin? Recognize what happened, what you've been caught up with, and see it for what it is. But the way to get out of that situation is by repentance and faith. Just simply acknowledge it the way God all the while wanted you to acknowledge it and realize that's enough, and God forgives you, that there's plenty of mercy. And that he says, it's my saint. And recognize now, okay, I need to now start living out of this identity. I need to start now moving forward from this standpoint as a saint. But I'm not moving forward in order to obtain sainthood status. I'm already a saint. I'm already a holy one in Jesus Christ. Christ is for you. That's what God is trying to say here. But here's the thing. Some people think, uh, man... (laughs) It sounds like uh, it's, it's a message like this, like, man, if, you, if you're telling somebody that they're a saint and it's not based upon works that they've done, you know what? You know how some people could hear this? It's like, great. Now I could just go back. After all, I'm a saint, right? So I could just go back clubbing. I could go back partying. I could go back just living any old way that I want, right? No. The person who's truly embraced the grace of God in Jesus the person who recognizes that they're truly forgiven by God and realizes what Jesus has accomplished for them is somebody who's going to want to take that grace and not use it as a license for sin, but they're going to want to take that grace and use it as empowerment for righteous living. That's what happens. When the gospel hits you, when God in his kindness reaches you, when you experience the love of God, You don't want to go back to the old life that you once lived. You want to now live this life. Now that you got affirmation, now that you've been accepted, now that you've been received, now that you're known, now that you're loved, you want to now live out 
of that new identity. You're a child of the king. You want to live out of that identity, and that's what I'm praying for, that if, if there's one message that's going to be received today, it's this, that we're going to be a group of people who not only recognize and are thankful for what God has done for us in Christ, making a saint status, we're going to want to live out of our sainthood status. Look, that may have been what you have done, but that's not who you are. Some people often ask me, are we primarily sinners or are we saints? It's a big question in the church these days. I get this email a lot. Now that I'm a Christian, is it, I've, I hear people saying, we're sinners who are saved by grace, or are we saints? It's both, but we're primarily saints. Your, when you come to Christ, your fundamental identity is no longer a sinner. There's only two positions. You're either in Adam, 1 Corinthians 15.22, or you're in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And if you belong to Jesus today, you're no longer in Adam. You are in Christ. You were a sinner. You're a saint today. But, but wait a second. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect yet, but you're a saint. You, you think this church was perfect? No. You're a saint. But <laughs> man, my mouth went off last night. I've done things that I regret last week. You're a saint. That may have been what you did. That may have been what you said, but that's not primarily who you are. I'm talking about your identity. That's where you live from, not from your activity. Because if you live your identity based on your activity, then you're only as good as your last word or your last deed or your last act. But all it takes is a mishap. At any moment, and we all know how prone we are for you to just lose your security. But if you are primarily a saint, your sainthood could absorb your shortcomings. So when I do blow it during the week in my thought and life, I'm not, I may be shaking a little bit, but I haven't fallen. Why? Because I know who I am. And I don't allow that mishap, that slip up to define me. Allow that mishap to drag them right back into the world and say, I tried, I tried. Don't nobody ever say I didn't try. I tried, but look, I slipped. So I'm, I might as well just save myself and everybody else the trouble and just go back to where I came from like it didn't happen. That's how they overcome their sins. So it's, it's going on, but they just act like. They don't admit it. They don't confess it. They don't bring a brother, if they're a guy, or a sister in and say, you know what, I need to talk to you. Things are going on. I tried to pull this off on my own. I really need some support and help and some accountability. They don't try to see it the way the scriptures do. So what do they do? They call it by a whole nother name. They relabel it. That's what happens when you don't allow the gospel to help you out of these situations. So what's the other approach? The third one, it's this. It's I recognize what I did or I said or I thought. And I call it for exactly what it is. But at the same time, I don't allow that to define me by allowing me to go back to that life that I came out of. I came out of it. I ain't returning. Nor do I ignore it by calling it another name. I recognize and I say to myself, I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. I am in Christ. I am not in that sin. Yes, I may have sinned, but I am in Christ. Your fundamental identity is not sinner to all the sinners in Christ Jesus at Philippi. He doesn't say that. He says to all the what? Saints. I hope this helps somebody 
And so as we're, we're, it's a wrap. We're closing up here. But I just want to cl- encourage you guys, please, I know there are struggles out there. I know there are some things in your life right now, and it's not over. I'm well aware of that. But I need you to understand these are the tools that you need to take with you back into your week, that we all need to take with ourselves back into the week. And it's something that you're going to be employing week in and week out. As you find yourself succumbing to one kind of temptation or another, as the enemy coming at you, you need to recognize what you may have done or said or thought, but at the same time, who you primarily are in Jesus Christ. You are a saint. You're a saint. That's going to fuel you. There's power in identifying yourself rightly. There's power in that. You you see the power in what people do with their life when they waste it? That's negative. And you see how much damage they do both to themselves and all sorts of people around them in the process. Just imagine how much, much more powerful it will be when we start speaking to ourselves and reminding ourselves and preaching back to ourselves who we exactly and primarily are in Jesus Christ. That's what's going to get you out. That's what's going to get you out. That's what's going to get us out. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we... Father, I, I begin with myself. I know I am prone to live out of my last mishap, my last shortcoming. I'm only as good many days as my last victory. But I'm tired of that. We're tired of that. We want to sustain victory. We want to be able to go on as we sing from time to time. From We go from glory to what? To glory. I love that song because it's true. That's what you've called us to. You want us to go from glory to glory, but it, it's not going to happen if we keep attaching ourselves to things that we've done. The only way it's going to happen is by attaching ourselves to who we primarily are. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that we are a church because and only because of your grace. This church is a, is a testimony to your grace. The, the, the people represented in this room are trophies of your grace. The stories that are existing in this room are indications. The Bible calls you the God of all grace. God, we thank you for this grace. Thank you, Lord God, that you have freed us from having to build an identity, from having to acquire and attain something on our who we are because of your doing. And I pray, Lord, that as we, as we leave this place and go forth into our week, with our lives, guard every single person here. Every heart, every mind, Lord God, may it be secured in Christ Jesus. May Satan, with all of his schemes, not be able to penetrate a single soul's heart or mind. I pray, Lord God, that we start living out of and seeing ourselves based upon who we primarily are, not what we last were caught up with. In Jesus' name. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could all ever ask or think. To the only wise God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, be all glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Meet and greet.